Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, verses 41 to 50. And I'll just uh, remind you that when it talks about the Philistine in this section of scripture, it's a reference to Goliath. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not say with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. David and Goliath, the ultimate story of the underdog, right? The ultimate story of how even the little guy can win against the big guy, against the giant. At least that's how the world sees it. And that's all the world sees. All the world sees is a story of hope for the little guy, the downtrodden. But they, of course, are wrong. Because they do not see the truth that is behind this account. It is not a story of David versus Goliath, is it? It's an account of God versus Goliath. And it's not a story about the little guy winning because the little guy in this account is Goliath. When compared to the Almighty, Goliath is the little guy, not David. It's not a story to inspire us to believe that we can prevail against the powerful. It's an account to remind us that the victory is already ours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an account to dispel the illusions of this world and teach us to look with eyes of faith at the truth behind the illusion. Goliath looks dangerous. There's no doubt about that. He looks like an enemy that is insurmountable. 
But all his strength is empty and useless and vain because he fights against the Lord. A couple of years ago, one of those word puzzles popped up on my Facebook account where you, you read it through and you read it through again and you think about it and you, you kind of you tell yourself this is impossible. There's no such thing. There's no answer. And I, I remember uh, staring at it and reading it again and again for probably 10 or 15 minutes before I noticed the punctuation. And once I noticed the punctuation, all of a sudden the answer was obvious. And it was one of those smack yourself in the head, forehead moments, right? The problem wasn't that the answer was impossible. The problem is I was looking at it the wrong way. That so happens to us in our lives of faith, isn't it? In our lives on this earth, we so often face troubles and problems that seem insurmountable. They seem like they have no answer. Like the Israelites facing Goliath. And they all cowering in fear because, well, there's no way anyone can beat Goliath. But all too often, the truth is, the problem isn't that big of a problem at all. It's just that we're looking at it the wrong way. Goliath is a faint, a fake, an illusion. For all of his strength, what he is doing is impossible. For all of his, his height, he was never a real threat, either to David or to the people of Israel. The forces of Israel were gathered on one hill, and the forces of the Philistines were gathered on another. And between them was the Valley of Elah. And there's no doubt that the, the Israelites probably could have seen, they could have looked across that valley and they could have seen this man, this giant, stand up in the midst of the camp of the Philistines and walk down into that valley to proclaim his challenge to the people of Israel. Who is there among you who will come and fight me? Goliath was a very good illusion. He looked like a serious problem, like a real danger. But he had set himself against the Lord. For that reason, he could not win. During World War II, the Allies actually made inflatable tanks. Maybe some of you guys have heard about this in history class. The Allies made inflatable tanks and set them up in certain places where they wanted the Nazis to think their armies were over here when they were about to invade Normandy and France. They were trying to deceive the, the Nazis. Oh, oh, our tanks are over here. We're going to invade this way. And it seemed to work. Those tanks looked threatening, especially from the air. But of course, they were only an illusion. Goliath was only an illusion. He was never a real threat. Almost a thousand years before this, this battle, this account, God had told the, one of the sons of Jacob, Judah, in Genesis 49, verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. This passage and many others make it clear that God had a plan for Judah and for Israel. And that God would not allow the nation of Israel to fall, or at least uh, the people of Judah, until that plan was fulfilled, until that Messiah came. 
Goliath wasn't just insulting the people of God. Goliath wasn't just setting himself against God. He was doing far more than that. He was setting himself against the promises of God. He probably didn't realize what he was doing. But he was standing between God and the promises that God had given to his people. When, when David says that Goliath defied the name of the Lord, He's not just saying that Goliath said bad things about God. There's people all over the world who do that but aren't struck down with stones, right? What, the, what David is saying is that he had set himself in opposition to God's plan of salvation. He was trying to stop God from fulfilling his promises, and that can't succeed. You can't win against God. As David reminds us in our text, the battle is the Lord. Goliath was only an illusion. It was a very convincing illusion. His armor weighed 120 pounds. He was almost 10 feet tall. The tip of his spear weighed 16 pounds. Imagine trying to use a spear where just the tip of it weighed 16 pounds. He was a very convincing illusion, but he was only an illusion. This is what Satan is good at. Satan is good at putting things in our life that look very convincing, that look like real problems. He's very good at inflatable tanks. But he can't stop the Lord's plan for us. He can't come between us and God's promises for us. First, 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul reminds us, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed him to him until that day. Satan can't stand between us and that tree of life we've been talking about uh, in our last few sermons, that tree of life that God has prepared for us. How from the moment Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, from the moment that Adam and Eve lost access to that first tree of life, God has been making that path, planning that plan to bring us back to that tree of life. And neither Goliath nor Satan can stand in that path, can stop us from what God wants to do for us through Christ Jesus our Lord. What can Satan do? Satan can do a lot. He can stand at the side of that path and tempt us and tease us and mock us and make fun of us. He can hurt us and harm us in our body. Right? As Luther said, he can take from us our money, our health, our friends, our family. He can throw us in prison. He can torture us. Sometimes he can do those things, if God permits. And he has done them in the past. And all those things look very convincing. They look like a real problem. If I were thrown in prison and tortured, I'd have to say, yes, that looks like a very convincing problem. It looks pretty serious. But in the end, those things are only illusion because they do not keep us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.39 Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what David understood. This is why David had no fear of walking without armor or sword up to Goliath. 
because he understood that nothing could separate God's people from God's promises. And because that's what Goliath was trying to do, he could not win. What Goliaths do we have in our lives? What problems face us that seem insurmountable? Such problems, uh, there's one of two possibilities with all such problems, right? The first probability is that those problems, those Goliaths are standing between us and Christ, between us and his promise of forgiveness, his eternal salvation. And if that's the case, we don't have to worry about them. They're not going to succeed. They can't stop us. Because they're not fighting us. They're fighting God. And they can't stop God from fulfilling his promises for us. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He's not talking about moving the Himalaya mountains. He's talking about moving those mountains that seem to stand between us and God's promises. The other possibility with such problems, such goliaths in our lives, is that they do not stand between us and Christ. Either they do or they don't, right? And if they, if they stand between us and Christ... Christ will get rid of them. If they don't stand between us and Christ, they're not really a problem. They're side issues, no matter how troubling they may seem, no matter how important they may seem. Ultimately, this too shall pass. All Goliaths are either an illusion or a sidetrack. Not anything to fear. If Goliath is an illusion of strength, David is an illusion of weakness, right? If Satan is very good at inflatable tanks, at things that appear strong but have no real power, God often works through things that seem weak and little to us, as we were talking about with the children, but have all the power of God. God told Zerubbabel, you guys remember Zerubbabel? We're going to be talking about Zerubbabel. My confirmation students get to look forward to that uh, this fall. We're going to be talking about Zerubbabel. God told Zerubbabel, do not despise the day of small things. That's what Goliath did. He saw David coming, and he thought, I can squash you like a bug. You're nothing. That's the way the world looks at baptism. Oh, that's nothing. What good does that do? But God says to open our eyes. Don't despise these things because they look small to us. And Paul reminded us in our epistle reading not to boast in anything except the cross of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, therefore it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The things of God often look small and insignificant, foolish and weak to us, like the cross, like baptism. But if we could see them with the eyes, with eyes open, with eyes of faith, we would see the power of God that worked through them. Saul, King Saul, in our text, thought that David, if you're going to go fight Goliath, you, you need a sword, you need a shield, you need armor. David knew better. David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord, that the Lord could use a sword or a stick just as easily. He didn't need the armor. What he needed was the power of the Lord. David's eyes were, were opened to, to the truth, opened to see the power of God that was behind him, that opposed 
The lion. Balaam. There's another one. You guys know how much I love the story of Balaam. I mean, who doesn't love the, the story of the talking donkey? Balaam, in, in one of the most, uh, probably one of the most ironical statements in all of Scripture, Balaam says in Numbers 24, 3 through 4, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of, of, of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. If only our eyes were open, like Balaam claims his eyes were. You remember the prayer of Elisha for his servant? That the Lord would open the eyes of his servant, and the Lord did open the eyes, and he saw the thousands of chariots of fire that stood between him and the opposing army. If our eyes were open, like David's, like Balaam's, like Elisha's, we would not despise these little things, these small things. We would see the power of God working through them. If our eyes were open, we would be astounded at what takes place at any, at any and every baptism. I was there when Knox was baptized, as Mark said. You know, Mark poured a little water, said the words. And it probably happens more often than we like to admit that we go to a baptism, we watch a baptism, and, and pour the water, say the words, and our sinful flesh thinks that's it. That's all that's done. That didn't really seem like much. It doesn't, from a human point of view. It's over almost as soon as it begins. But if our eyes could see with spiritual truth behind the physical appearance, we would see, we, would, we, would, we wouldn't say, oh, that's, that's a little thing, would we? We would be astounded at what's taking place. We would say with, with Jesus from our, our, our gospel lesson, right? I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. David knew that it didn't matter if he had a sword or a sling or a twig. But the battle belonged to the Lord. God reminds us not to despise the day of small things. The story of David and Goliath is not the story of the victory of the little guy over the giant. It is a reminder to us that the power of God often comes in weak and foolish-looking vessels. A call to open our eyes not to despise the day of small things and a promise that nothing can stand between us and the promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. When we believe Satan's illusions of strength, we lose. When we put our trust in God's promises, we win. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.